episode 8 of Unbashful. Here we are. Let's get started. I'm excited for another week, another opportunity for me to sit behind this mic and behind this camera and talk about the things that I love. I think that's going to start to become the intro moving forward. I'm still kind of figuring that those things out, trying different things, seeing how it feels, and that one just kind of flows and comes off pretty easily. So I think I'm going to stick with that one. But Today's episode is going to be about, uh, I'm probably going to title it uh, MCU Discussion, but I think, uh, one second, I we will be talking about a lot of the, we're going to be talking about the MCU, but before, I want to get into a couple things that have happened to me and that have developed over the last, you know, couple days or whatever. So, I want to talk about me almost being scammed. <clears throat> now. Uh, when I say me almost being scammed, I, I'm going to explain the story here. So essentially, I was DM'd on Instagram by a, a company and they sell headphones and stuff like that. And they sent me a message or saying, hey, you know, we're interested in doing, uh, you know, beta testing and uh, we would like you to be an ambassador and, you know, we'll send you our product and whatever and you could try it and, you know, advertise it for us. So, <clears throat> so it all sounds good. It's all, it sounds great. You know what I mean? It's pretty early in my podcasting and content creating journey. So I was like, oh, okay, cool. I'm already getting hit up by, you know, sponsors and things like that. So it all seemed a little too good to be true. And it was. So everything was going well. They were saying, hey, you know, give us your details and blah, blah, blah. And, you know, we'll send you the the product, the headphones. And I was like, okay, cool. So, you know, we were talking and then we talked for about, probably talk for about 20 minutes and then once we were kind of getting out of the details as for like you know when we'll send them to you you know where you like what country are you from because I think this brand is out of Switzerland then right before everything was good everything was getting figured out then that's when I realized what this really was they told me right before they're like okay so it's free we'll give you the product for free but you have to pay for the shipping and the handling. And I was like, hold on. That doesn't make any sense. First of all, you are messaging me. You were trying to get me to advertise your product. And you're claiming that I'm going to get it for free. However, you're saying I have to pay for the shipping and the handling. Meanwhile, you're out of Switzerland. So when, you know, the currency transfer or the currency trans currency exchange rather, uh, I'm probably going to be paying out the fucking nose for these headphones. And then when it's all said and done, the money I'll probably be paying for the shipping and the handling, I could have spent that on other headphones that might even be better. So uh, yeah, uh, turns out the company is real. They do have, um, they do actually sell headphones or not some made up company. They do have like a decent following on Instagram. I think they have about 86,000 followers. I'm not going to say their name, but uh, yeah, I told them straight up. I was like, I think this is a scam because why would I, why should I have to pay in the first place when you message me and ask me to advertise your product? The value proposition is imbalanced. It's only benefiting you. Whereas for, for me, I'm not getting any benefit at all. You know what I mean? Yeah, maybe you could say I might get a commission or whatever, uh, but you know, it just doesn't really make any sense. And then also after, like when when I when I first received like the offer earlier today, it's exciting. Obviously, everybody wants to have their own like deals and their own sponsorships. But then I had to like sit back and like be honest about myself right now and, and ask myself a couple questions. Number one. I'm not a big influencer. Not that many people follow me, nor do many people listen to me yet. Why would this company, really, really, why would this company want to send me free shit? You know what I mean? Because nobody else has asked me to do that yet. And it makes sense. I don't have a very big following. I'm still growing. So it kind of makes sense now. It kind of comes full circle how they were essentially trying to scam me by saying, okay, we'll give you the free fucking headphones, but you got to pay for shipping doesn't really make sense. So anyways, the reason why I'm telling this story, because I, I almost fell for this trap. I almost fell for the scam. I got about 20 minutes into the conversation, but then as soon as they said I had to pay for shipping, red flag right then and there, canceled, blocked, and I was done. 
But the moral of the story is for a lot of you people listening, if any of you are listening and you're trying to get into content creation and entertainment and whatnot, you are probably going to find yourself in a very similar situation that I found myself in. Now, many times it's going to be very obvious, right? They'll be like, hey, uh, we'll give you this free t-shirt, you know, tell us your credit card information and then you're good to go. That is obviously pretty obvious. But in my case, it was pretty believable at first. They're like, hey, we'll give you free shit, no cost, blah, blah, blah. And then they hit you right at the end. They pull uh, they pull the Uno reverse card, if you will. And they say, oh, actually, you got to give us some money for the shipping because uh, we're, you know, manufactured by a third party and blah, blah, blah. It's all horse shit. If a company really did, if an affiliate really did want to want you to advertise their product, they would send it for free. And, and yeah, and also I did my research afterwards and, um, I did my research afterwards and I actually uh, figured out that another reason why this was easily a scam. And I didn't notice this at first, but a lot of these affiliate companies that want to use you as a marketing tool for, you know, advertising and things like that, they will actually contact you via email. And that was not the case for me. They hit me up through Instagram. So obviously that right there is a red flag, but I fell for it at first because I didn't know any better. So moral of the story, if you are trying to get into content creation, make sure you keep a golden eye out for things like that, because I guarantee you it will happen to you. Because like I said, I'm not, I don't have a big following. I literally have like, I have like 500 followers on my personal Instagram account that I only have like under a hundred on the podcast Instagram account. So I really don't have like that big of a following yet. So the fact that, you know, it felt too good to be true. It's, be, it's because it was too good to be true. But anyways, Moving on from that, give me one second. I'm going to take a sip here. Uh, Anyways, so before, also one more thing I want to bring up. So I want to talk about Call of Duty Vanguard real quick because there's been a lot of things developing for that game uh, today. And on the last episode of You Watch, I did talk briefly about Call of Duty Vanguard and I talked about how I am getting it, but I have some concerns one of the concerns that I brought up was how Dead Silence is not going to be a perk, just like it was in Modern Warfare. It was a field upgrade, and that is obviously very concerning. Now, Sledgehammer Games, the uh, studio behind this year's Call of Duty, Call of Duty Vanguard, they just uh, released a blog post in uh, getting ready for the for the launch of Vanguard next week, uh, next Friday, and they basically just announced a fuckload of changes they're making, and I got to say... I am very impressed. Like this is huge. This stuff I'm about to talk about, and I, it actually really makes me uh, very optimistic and very excited for this year's game. So let's get right into it. I I already knew this before, but there's going to be 20 multiplayer maps. Four of them being uh, the Champion Hill maps, and 16 of them being uh, 6v6, which is great because, like I said on the last episode, we haven't had we haven't had 16. Or sorry, I didn't talk about this. Or yeah, I, I did talk about this last episode on Let's Talk Shop. Uh, we haven't had 16 multiplayer maps since, I want to say like Modern Warfare 2 or something like that. Excuse me, it just burped. Um, so right then and there, 16 is great. They could all be terrible, but that remains to be seen. However, I do think with the teases that we, we saw today, that uh, Sledgehammer Games released today, I think they actually look pretty good. Uh, but of those 16 multiplayer maps, we're getting Castle. If any of you played World of, uh, Call of Duty World at War from 2008, Castle, one of one of the best maps in that game, that's coming back in, uh, in uh, Call of Duty Vanguard. And then also we're getting Dome from Call of Duty uh, World at War. So we're getting two maps from Call of Duty World at War into Call of Duty Vanguard. And then we're also getting a couple weeks after the launch of Vanguard, we're also going to be getting uh, Shipment as well, which is really going to help for the camo grinding. And, uh, and all that other stuff. So really, really, <coughs> excuse me, really, really excited for all that. And I think the game just looks great. And also the big thing, the thing that I'm really, really excited for with, uh, with, with Vanguard is we are getting dead silence as a perk. Now that is really exciting, but I know a lot of people are probably going to counter and say, Hey, you know, why are you celebrating that? That is a core perk in multiplayer that should have never been taken out in the first place. That is a valid objection. However, you have to give credit where credit is due. They originally were going to launch with the Modern Warfare formula of having it as a field upgrade. They listened to the community and they made the change. Whereas Infinity Ward, when they were uh, when it was their 
time and in, in, in their moment when they were making Modern Warfare, everybody was voicing the same concern, but they didn't do anything about it. So, and I guarantee it's not like they didn't hear. They have community managers. They have people that are keeping in touch with with feedback in the community. So the fact that Vanguard actually listened and went ahead and made that change, probably the biggest concern, obviously Dora still exists, but you know what? I will say this at the very least. The the fact that they're giving us Dead Silence as a perk ninja from Cold War, same thing. Uh, they're giving us ninja from Cold War. I can settle with doors. I, I can live with doors because at the very least, they're making Dead Silence a perk, which is going to make the map fluidity a lot better. It's going to make, uh, it's going to promote less camping. So camping is always obviously going to be there. Camping is in every Call of Duty. You can make the maps as campless as possible. There's people are still going to find a way to camp. However, it's going to limit it by, by quite a lot. So very, very happy for that. Very excited for that. Um, and what else was there? Um, oh yeah. So season one as well is, is going to be dropping not too, uh, not too far off from the launch of the game. It's only going to be like a couple weeks after the launch. So there's going to be a lot of content. The replayability is going to be great. And also they're doing a version of hero gear for the operator mods. Now, if any of you played call of duty, black ops three, uh, hero gear was for the specialist and it just gives you another, layer to unravel in the game another thing to play for and to earn to help that replayability factor their biggest thing these days is player retention right that is the biggest thing that call of duty is focusing on so this just helps with player retention obviously they have the seasons now but this will only make it better for them and i don't know why they didn't have these changes long ago because adding hero gear adding things that you can earn playing the game that's just going to increase player retention but then again i also know why it took them so long to add to, add it to the game it's because of money because they want to add the nice things that you could have earned in the game instead putting them in the shop which that will still exist to a degree lots of very colorful nice things will be in the shop but it's good to see that and we just, it's good to see that we got hero gear coming back and we actually saw pictures of it and it actually looks really really cool and there's also going to be like a platinum uh, operator outfit that you can earn. I assume that's going to be like the dark matter outfit of operators. So that's very exciting as well. And uh, yeah, we got to look at the maps. Maps look great. In my opinion, I think they look very colorful, very vibrant, uh, not too dull, not too like brown and, you know, dark green. Those sort of colors we're accustomed to with, with games like, you know, World War II games and stuff like that. So it looks very good. Uh, they also did say they're going to do uh, they're going to do some weapon tuning as well, so some balancing. Obviously, we expect that they're going to fix the spawns, and uh, they also said they're going to fix the visibility because visibility is a big deal. I was listening to a lot of other content creators talking about visibility with Vanguard, and the common theme was that you weren't even shooting enemies; you were shooting their fucking name tags. So, and some other Call of Duties have uh, fell victim of this, but nonetheless, it's something that needs to be addressed. So, I'm very glad that they went ahead and made that change. So, yeah. And yeah, so, um, so I think that's, yeah, that's it with the Vanguard news. Uh, I probably will on the YouTube channel. I think I'm going to be doing a review of the game once it launches. I'll probably wait about a couple of days, experience it, play the zombies, play the multiplayer, see how I'm feeling about it. But overall, I think these are really, really great changes. And I'm not going to lie, I didn't expect these changes to be made, but they did. And you have to give credit where credit is due to Sledgehammer Games. So, uh, and also, let me get, let me know, guys, if you'd be interested in, uh, if I did like Twitch, if I did some streaming as well, you know, let me know in the comment section down below. And uh, we'll we'll see if that's something you guys would be, uh, would be interested in, in, in watching. All right, so I think that's going to wrap up the other news with uh, Vanguard. And uh, we'll get into the main topics in a sec here, but yeah, overall, you know, everything is going pretty well. I'm doing pretty good. I saw Dune again yesterday. Uh, it was funny. So I saw Dune with my friend Zach, who actually might be coming on the podcast at some point in the future. We we sort of discussed the the opportunity of it last night. So maybe you know he'll come on in the future. But I saw it with uh, with Zach and. Uh, when I when I purchased the tickets, I didn't notice that when I did it online, 
or, or sorry, I didn't purchase the tickets online. I was looking for showtimes because I didn't purchase pre-purchase and the movie's been out for a couple of weeks and it's, it was also a Wednesday night. I didn't really expect, you know, much people to, you know, be packing the theater. Uh, but I was looking for showtimes and I noticed that there's one at 1030 at the theater uh, near where he lives. So we go there and we're about to go in and I notice it's in 3D. Uh, I'm not the biggest fan of 3D movies. I was when I was a kid, but as I've been getting older, you know, they kind of just make me feel nauseous now with like, you know, obviously the 3D effects. It kind of gives me like a motion sickness. So I wasn't really too thrilled about that. I try to persuade him to maybe we could go see Halloween Haunt because obviously I had already seen Dune and I wanted to see it again, but he hadn't and he really wanted to see Dune. So he was like, nah, man, let's just go see it. You know, it's not a big deal, blah, blah, blah. I swallowed my pride. I went to go see it and I kind of, it wasn't as bad. Like I didn't have crazy motion sickness, but I will say for people that do like 3D movies, Dune is absolutely a movie that you would love to see in 3D. It's almost made for 3D with all the, you know, explosions and the, 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 the grand scale, the shots of, you know, the sandworms and all the ships and stuff like that. It's a great looking film. Obviously anybody who knows or who's familiar with Denis Villeneuve's work knows that his movies are absolutely beautiful to watch. Blade Runner 2049 being a prime uh, example of that. So I'm not the biggest fan of 3D, but I mean, I still enjoyed myself. I didn't, I didn't feel as much motion sickness as I had before. Uh, but yeah, that was literally my first time watching a 3D movie in like four years. Maybe longer, actually. <coughs> so yeah, saw it again. Absolutely love it. And they also just announced that they're, uh, I mean, I, th- I think everybody probably saw this coming, but they are, uh, they announced a sequel. It's set to uh, begin production soon and it's got a release I think of like October of 2023, so not too far away, just I think just under like two years, if not two years, so it may sound like a far, you know, it may sound far away from for a lot of people, but I'm telling you 2023 will catch up very, very, very quickly, so no need to worry there, so that will be coming soon, and I think everybody knew that when you, if you've seen Dune, the title, the title card says Dune Part 1, so that obviously alludes to a part two happening. And I think the director, Denis, actually said that he wants to do a trilogy. So also not very surprising. I think everybody kind of saw that coming. Uh, I don't really know a franchise that only does like two movies. Now, obviously, I'm sure like I know there has been, obviously. But I think it's just kind of odd to, unless the, the, the from a narrative standpoint, you really do feel like two movies is all you need. But from a, from, you know, from, from a whole business standpoint, you could you could probably just find ways to make a third movie. Now that's not always a good thing to do, but you know I just think the trilogy is when you're telling a grand story like Dune or like Batman, for example. I think you need three movies to really flesh out, and then it gives you more opportunity to tell lots of cool stories and and explore the lore of these franchises. So now with that out of the way, I think we're gonna finally move on to the MCU discussion. So I got about one, two. Four. So we got about four topics here relating to the Marvel Cinematic Universe. For those of you who don't know what I'm referring to when I say MCU, but I think that's pretty common knowledge at this point. <clears throat> so let's talk about the Disney Plus shows. So we got the Disney Plus shows that have released. We have WandaVision, Falcon and the Winter Soldier, Loki, and then we have uh, What If. So let's go over. Let's uh, let's start with. WandaVision. I personally love WandaVision. It was the it was the inaugural show, if you will, to kick off the Disney Plus uh, new whatever saga, whatever you want to call it. It was the very first Marvel Cinematic uh, Universe Disney Plus show, and I thought it was great. The thing that really kept me into WandaVision was it was it was nine episodes, and each episode left you asking questions, which is not like out of you know this universe like lots of shows do this but i think they do it in a way that makes you just like i need more i want more now please tell me more and it just really got the community engaged it really got them wondering you know what's gonna happen with vision you know or or what's gonna happen with wanda wanda just extended the size of the hex you know what i mean so that was a really good show the ending was okay uh i think 
with 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 the with the with the finale of WandaVision, a lot of people and I unfortunately made this mistake. A lot of people were theorizing throughout the show and everybody was kind of just assuming that Doctor Strange was going to show up. And I think this was actually wrong because there really was no foreshadowing that he would exist. I think we were all just expecting him to just come save the day and come save Wanda and, and you know, come take out the hex. And of course he didn't. And I think even the writers of the show were saying that in a very early draft of the show, they were exploring bringing in Doctor Strange, but I think they came to the conclusion that it it would more or less undermine, you know, Wanda's show. It, it's it almost like would upstage the show. Like you're watching WandaVision to see Wanda's journey to it, to, to see how she's dealing with her grief and her loss of vision when he was killed in Infinity War. And then if he just shows up at the end, he's obviously going to steal the show because I think most people probably are bigger fans of Doctor Strange than they are with Wanda. So. And you know, overall, like obviously, yeah, yeah, I was upset, but looking back in hindsight, I am actually glad that they, you know, stuck to what they thought was right and they just kept the show exclusively about WandaVision and about uh, Wanda and about Vision. So, <clears throat> um, so yeah, I was a really, really big fan. It's probably my second favorite Disney Plus show and I'll get into the first in a few. So moving on, we have, uh, and these are in order, by the way, in terms of release uh, of when they were released on Disney Plus. So moving on, we got Falcon and the Winter Soldier. I thought overall Falcon and the Winter Soldier was okay. I think it was very cookie cutter Marvel in terms of like, you know, I don't even really know how to explain it in great detail. Like it, it, it really felt like a Captain America like a movie it felt a lot like captain america like in the winter soldier in terms of like the aesthetic and the vibe not really like not really from a narrative standpoint because you had the what were they called in the show the power breakers or something they were essentially this like cult or rebellion that were developed because they want life to stay as it was before or sorry during the blip like during those five years and people were, were were erased or i might be wrong about that let me think I think it's there in support of how life was during the blip or prior. I'm not let me look let me look that up. Actually, no no no. I, I'm almost positive that they are supporting that they would like life to stay how it was during the blip. I'm gonna stick with that. If I am wrong, please correct me. <laughs> um But yeah, so and obviously Falcon and and, you know, uh, Bucky, they need to come together to stop the power brokers because they're going to, you know, rain hell on the world. You know, it's very, like, very, very Marvel, very, you know, it was great. It was very entertaining, obviously, but it was just okay. And that's kind of like the vibes I'm getting with, like, the Hawkeye show as well. It just looked very, it looks all right. I, I'm definitely interested. I'm definitely going to watch, obviously, but it, it just looks okay. Uh, and, and honestly, like, to be quite frank with you, I was pretty, like, bored with those first three episodes of Falcon and the Winter Soldier, it really only didn't get interesting to me up and like on like when like episode four hit. And then obviously episode five when, you know, Falcon gets the, you know, Falcon gets the case and then from Wakanda and then you start to, and then you realize, oh, he's about to come, he's about to become Captain America. So, I mean, spoilers, I guess, but I mean, everybody knew it was coming. You got the shield at the end of Endgame. You knew it was inevitable. It was a matter of when. Uh, so, that, I will say the the finale of that show. I enjoyed the finale more of Falcon and the Winter Soldier than I did of WandaVision. So, uh, yeah. <clears throat> Moving on to Loki. Ooh, I love Loki. I have probably rewatched Loki. I've probably rewatched Loki like five or six times. I absolutely fucking love that show. I love the dynamic between Loki and Owen Wilson's character, uh, Detective Mobius. I love all the characters. I love Sylvie, who was like the alternative, or who who's just an, uh, another version of Loki. And spoilers, I love I love the finale when Kang the Conqueror was introduced. Which, for those of you who keep up with the Marvel Cinematic Universe, you know that he is going to be the uh, the main the main antagonist of Ant Man and the Wasp: Quantum Media. So it was a really good way to sort of plant that seed and introduce his character, and it makes and it, and it made sense. That that's the thing, right? If you're going to introduce a really really big character, don't just 
do it to just do it. Don't just shoehorn them in. Make make it make sense, right? Make it make it make it understandable to the audience. I'm like, okay, there's a reason why he's here. You know, Marvel isn't just like like for example, let's say in the new Fantastic Four movie that's going to come out in a couple of years, directed by John Watts. Let's say they just throw in Doctor Strange. They they just throw him in with real no explanation. They're just like, hey guys, you know, welcome to the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Uh, I'm Doctor Strange. You know, see you later. Like that. Some people may find that cool, but for someone somebody like me, it's going to be like, why did he really show up? You know what I mean? Like so. But Kane the Conquer, his introduction was in Loki. And it made a lot of sense. Uh, he is the one who's behind basically everything. He's he's behind the TVA. He's behind. He he knows he knows everything. I guess would be the best way to say it. He he explained to the story. You, I paved the road. You and then he did that little. You just walked down it. So, uh, it was great. I'm really excited to see him uh, played by Jonathan Majors. I'm really excited to see him in Ant Man and the Wasp, uh, Quantum Mania, but. Other than that, I think the show was great. It really gave Loki a chance. It really gave us, the audience, a chance to really get to know his character better. Because obviously, we've seen Loki throughout the MCU. We've seen him in obviously all the Thor movies and some of the Avenger movies. But he's always kind of been like this villain. And this show really kind of makes him out to be more of like a hero. It really peels back the onions, if you will. I love that. Uh, onion reference from from Shrek. I use it all the time, but it seriously though it really does peel back the layers of his character. It gives you more of an understanding of why he does the bad things that he does, especially in that first episode when him and Owen Wilson's character Agent Mobius are sitting down. Mobius is asking, "Why do you do what you do? Do you enjoy hurting people?" And then Loki says, "I don't like it's it's." It's an illusion. I have to play into this act. I have to play into this character that I'm not really, that I really don't want to be. So, and through the episode, he really kind of becomes self-aware and he knows like, I don't have to be this person. I could be good. I could be greater. I can help people. I'm not saying he's going to be a full-blown Avenger. Who knows? He might. Who knows? But, you know, he, he, he definitely is... You feel more of a connection with them. The character development is great. And I really am glad they did this as a series rather than a film. It definitely could have been done as a film for sure. But uh, I really think it was great in terms of fully breaking down his character in a six-part episode. It, it really did feel like a movie. And, th- and that's the great thing about these Marvel shows in general. It's like when I heard they were doing this and I heard that they were going to be canon to the MCU, I was really worried that like... Yeah, they're going to be canon. Yeah, they're going to contribute to the overall arc of what this next phase of the MCU is. But I was worried, like, is the quality going to be as good as the films? And honestly, the quality is just as good in the shows as it is in the movies, in my opinion, at least in terms of like, you know, uh, special effects, production, so on. And speaking of production, that is one of the most interesting parts of the show is the world that they build with the TVA. I love the... The, the aesthetic, it's almost like this very like old kind of like 1950s look, yet very futuristic and modern. Like obviously that first scene when uh, when Loki and Mobius are walking through the halls and he's like, I'm going to burn this place to the ground. And then Mobius is like, you know, you can start from my office or, you know, whatever, when they're joking back and forth. And then while they're walking in that hallway, you can see behind them is like the whole world that is the TVA. You could see all the ships, the all, all the structures, all the statues and stuff like that. And uh, and and the ending, like I said, I absolutely love the ending of the show. Obviously, it teases a Loki season two, and it leaves you with many questions, right? It leaves you with somewhat of a cliffhanger, right? Loki thinks that uh, obviously Loki's aware of Kane the Conqueror, and he tries to warn Mobius and uh, Hunter B fifteen, which is another really really good character in the show. And he tries to warn both of them that like it's not the Time Keepers; it, it, it's uh, it's he who remains. It's Kang. We we have to be. We have to we have to stop him. He's gonna you know whatever destroy us all. Whatever I don't I don't remember exactly what he said, but then he comes to realize that he's almost been dropped in another. Uh, uh, he's been dropped in another multiverse because of what Sylvie did to Kang. When Sylvie killed Kang, it almost sparked a, a, a ripple effect. So now he's just in an alternate 
a timeline of the TVA. And you also know this because he looks up and instead of statues of the TVA being there, it's a statue of Kang in his classic uh, costume. So, and then he tries to warn Mobius in B-15. He's like, yo guys, like this dude Kang, he's, he's fucking shit up. We got to really stop him. And they're like, uh, uh, what? Who are you? <laughs> you're, uh, you're an analyst? Like, uh, so obviously they don't know anything about what's just happened. So essentially it's almost like Loki is meeting Mobius and B-15 and everybody else at the TVA for the first time, which is obviously fucked up because he just went through this whole journey that was the six episode show. So now he's essentially got to do it all again, but this time he's got to remind everybody what's going on, but they're not going to believe him because now this is a new version of Mobius and B-15 and they don't even know who Loki is at all. So they're going to be meeting him for the first time as well. So a lot of different forces at play and I'm really, really excited. And I think that show is really going to affect the overall, you know, story that's, you know, happening collectively with all the movies and the other projects going on in this, excuse me, in this uh, next phase of the MCU. So the next thing we're going to talk about is when I became a Marvel Cinematic Universe fan. So this is actually going to be very surprising, you guys. A lot of people, when, when when they're asked, like, oh, when did you become a fan of the MCU? And a lot of people say, oh, I, I became a fan of Iron Man or, or in, you know, Captain America, the first Avenger. This is actually going to be very surprising. I didn't become a fan of the MCU up until Infinity War. Let that sink in for a second. Infinity War. Before then, I was a DC fan. And, and, and don't get me wrong, I still am a DC fan. I Like I said, I think Batman is, you know, the Batman, rather, is probably my most anticipated film of next year. But... Yeah, I was a DC fan prior to watching any Marvel movies. I had seen Iron Man, but I just wasn't really a fan of those kind of movies. But when Infinity War was coming out, all my friends, all the hype, all the the, the marketing behind it, it's just it looked like an event, right? It just looked like this big grand scale film. And my friends were like, "Hey, you want to come with us?" You know, uh, and I was like, "Oh, I've never seen any of these films. Like, I don't really know the story and stuff like that." And they're like, "Oh, it's fine. Just you know, come with us." Blah blah blah. And I went with them, and I was absolutely floored. Had an amazing time. I absolutely love the movie. I just thought, wow, this is what I've been missing out on the whole time. So after watching that movie, I then did my research about the you know MCU, and I did you know I watched a bunch of videos like Emergency Awesome. I'm sure a lot of you are familiar with him. And then obviously I got myself caught up to speed by watching all the other Marvel movies. There's like twenty something at this point. I don't even fucking know, but I've seen all of them now. So before a lot of you, you know, call me a rookie or, or a noob or whatever, I am very much caught up to date. I just, you know, joined the game pretty late, but I got myself up to speed with uh, in terms of the narrative and stuff like that. So I didn't become a fan until very, very late uh, or yeah, very, very late into this franchise. And it was already well, you know, very successful and stuff like that. And uh, yeah, so I'm also hearing a lot of rumors regarding a new uh, World War Hulk, uh, a new World War Hulk film that's in development. But I don't know how true those are because all the big outlets like, you know, Variety and things like that, none of them have really reported on this. I don't exactly know the name of the outlet that reported on this, uh, but they like it's it's a much smaller, you know, out, uh, news outlet. But they said that Marvel's working on a uh, on a on a new solo Hulk, solo Hulk film based off the storyline of the comics of World War Hulk. And that could be the case, but there's a couple things that need to be noted, and you should definitely take this story with a grain of salt, because first of all, Marvel doesn't even have. I was watching John Campia's podcast, and he broke this he broke this down very very well. So what I'm saying right now is is I'm I'm going to be paraphrasing what he said because he broke it down very well. So John said, and this is true. I did my research afterwards. He said that Marvel owns the uh, production rights of the Hulk, so he could be in the Hulk films. But then this is the important part: uh, Universal Studios they own the uh, distribution rights, so you can make a Hulk movie. But then what you do with it, and then where it goes, that is up to Universal, which is arguably more important because that is how the movie is gonna. You can make a movie, but then you gotta you know distribute it, right? You gotta send it to theaters, you gotta put it to countries, so. That's out of Marvel's control. That is completely up to Universal. So, and Universal hasn't been, you know, them and Marvel, they haven't been game in terms of, you know, making a solo uh, Hulk film. Now, obviously, 
Hulk has been in the MCU, but he's never really had his own, you know, franchise, if you will. Now, I know a lot of people are going to say, oh, you know, what about the Edward Norton Hulk? And that is true, and that is canon, uh, but I'm talking about Mark Ruffalo's Hulk. So, and we'll talk about the Incredible Hulk, actually, a little bit later. So, moving on from from that, we're going to get into my top five MCU projects, and this is including Disney Plus shows, because I feel like Yes, you could do a list exclusively about the movies, but I feel like everybody knows that Marvel is a cinematic universe, meaning a lot of these movies are connected in some way or another. That's why you're seeing a lot of uh, a lot of different superheroes from various films hopping in other, you know, films like the Avengers and Thor Ragnarok with Hulk and Thor, and then most recently Shang-Chi in the post-credit scene, spoiler alert, when uh, Captain Marvel and Bruce Banner show up. So like you, I do feel like you should include the Disney Plus shows because they are contributing as much to the story. As, they are contributing to the story just as much as the movies are, uh, like I explained with Loki. So, anyways, let's get into this list here. Starting, I'm going to start from the least to the best, and these are going to be in a order, obviously. So, at number five, I got Iron Man, the first one. Overall, I mean, I love Robert Downey Jr.'s Iron Man. I don't think anybody will ever be able to replace him if they decided to reboot the character 25 years from now. Uh, I don't think anybody will do that character as ju- the justice it, it it needs as much as Robert Downey Jr. And the same thing goes for Captain America. So, number five, I got Iron Man. Number four, I got Loki. Absolutely love Loki. It's my favorite MCU show. Uh, that there has been thus far. And also, sorry, actually, before we continue this list, uh, I did forget what if. And I know a lot of people are probably gonna were probably thinking that when they were listening uh, to the podcast earlier. But the only problem with like what if is for me personally, I wasn't like as soon as they announced it, I thought the concept was obviously interesting. Like you have the watcher and he's kind of explaining like, you know, what if and in this scenario, hence the title, obviously. But for me personally, like, I know this is going to sound kind of, you know, like silly to some people, but it's, it's animated. It's, it's a cartoon. It's, it doesn't contribute to the overall story of the MCU. And I really hope they don't try to do that. Uh, but as far as I'm concerned, I'm pretty sure Kevin Feige said that that show is not in any way, shape or form canon to the overall MCU. So I'll be honest, it just didn't look very interesting to me. Now I've heard some people say it's good. It's bad. So very like divisive, very mixed reviews overall. Uh, so I have literally yet to watch a single episode. So at some point I'll give it a try, but as of right now, I haven't seen it. So that's why I can't really give my extensive thoughts on it. So I don't really, you know, uh, that that's kind of like why I didn't address, you know, what if earlier, but anyway, so, uh, uh, not to get off topic here. So moving back to my top five MCU projects, I'll just quickly go back to the start, I guess. So I got Iron Man at number five, which I talked about, you know, obviously you can't, you can't not have Iron Man at number five. It kicked off the MCU. You could argue that, you know, uh, or yeah. So yeah, it, it was the very first film. It kicked off the MCU. So obviously, you know, you have to have that on your list. Uh, almost a given. Uh, next up, we have Loki. Talked about Loki already. Then number three, I feel like a lot of people overall are going to disagree with my list, but I don't care. This is my list. You know, at the end of the day, it's all subjective. So no one's going to change my mind here. But number three, I have Guardians of the Galaxy. Absolutely love Guardians of the Galaxy. Overall, I'm more of a fan of the cosmic uh, Marvel movies like Eternals, for example, that's going to be coming out in about a week. Uh, those are kind of the movies that I enjoy more. Like I'm not, that's why I'm on a, that's why you're going to, I'm just going to be honest. Captain America, the winter soldier isn't in my top five. And I think a lot of people are going to say, Whoa, like, cause I think the majority of people that I speak to, at least they all say that it's their favorite movie or at least like top three. And for me personally, I think it's actually kind of overrated. If I'm going to be honest with you, it's a good movie. I, 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 I like this spy espionage sort of, you know, uh, developing plot with like Hydra, you know, taking over shield and you know nobody knowing except for captain america so like i like that obviously it is a good movie i'm not saying by any means it's not a good movie before a lot of you people come at me but i just think it is incredibly overrated and there's actually a lot of movies that i think are better than uh uh than the winter soldier um but these being them obviously uh so moving on i have obviously guardians of the galaxy great film i i am a fan of the second uh, but not as much as the first, and it was obviously the introduction to Peter Quill, Gamora, you know, 
Drax, Gru, you know, Rocket, the whole gang. So, and obviously a, a really good introduction to the cosmic side of the Marvel Cinematic Universe, which we hadn't seen yet really at that point. Um, and, and it was really pivotal to the Infinity Stone, you know, arc that that, that the last, you know, whatever, 10 years has been developing. Uh, so anyways, um, I'm just going to go grab some water. I will be right back. Um, so yeah, so obviously I have Guardians of the Galaxy at number three. Then I got Avengers Age of Infinity War at number one. Uh, like I said, that was my introduction to the Marvel Cinematic Universe, and I absolutely love it. I think, I think it was very impressive with how, and I think a lot of filmmakers moving forward that want to. Sorry, I, this is going to sound pretentious because who am I to say this? I'm I'm no filmmaker yet. I haven't even learned anything. Uh, I'm actually going to tame that comment. I'm not going to say, oh, you should take notes because I need to take notes. Um, but I, I think it was really, really impressive with how they handled that many characters and being able to give them enough development. Not all of them needed development, obviously, because many of them had already had their own arcs and things like that. But they gave enough screen time and enough attention to all the characters to make it seem, to make it fit well. And I think that was really, really impressive with Infinity War because obviously there's like 20-something characters in that film. Uh, but then the next film, the number one film, my favorite film in the Marvel Cinematic Universe is Avengers Endgame. I absolutely love this film. And then after obviously being introduced to the MCU with Infinity War and then having seen all the films, the anticipation and the excitement that whole year waiting for Endgame to come out was just like, I would, I, I would take any news we could get. And I'm sure a lot of people who are fans of the, who are friends of the franchise can relate to this. Like any little piece of information you could, we could get, we, we, we would just take it and we were, we would run with it. And they had this film on a very, very tight leash. Nobody knew anything about it. Obviously everybody had theories like, Oh, you know, I mean, we all knew that they were going to in some way bring back the characters who had been snapped because obviously if you have kept up with the Marvel cinematic universe, you know, at that time, everybody knew that Tom Holland as Spider-Man, he had another film on his contract and, you know, uh, other, you know, members of the other Avengers obviously had their own films that they were still under contract for. So we knew that, you know, them being dead, obviously wouldn't be able to contribute to that. So obviously, uh, we, we knew that they were going to be coming back in some way, shape or form, but we just didn't know how. And obviously, you know, we, you know, not just bringing them back, but also having that next, you know, that um, that second chance at Thanos. So that excitement, that you know, thrill, that I and, and, and that agony as well, because I was just sitting here waiting with nothing really to take for that whole year. Uh, the excitement, and then once the film came, I think it one thousand percent lived up to the expectations. I love how the studio you know, didn't hold them back to let them go for the whole three and a half hours or whatever it was. And it was absolutely amazing. I don't care what anybody says. I think it is, it is the best uh, Marvel film of all time. And, you know, I, some people will counter and be like, well, you know, Winter Soldier, hey, you know, the best story. And No, I don't give a shit about that. It is the best film. It has literally every character in the MCU all at once. It it just takes what a, what a comic book fan would dream of having all these characters on screen and gives them that it gives them that fan service so that's always going to be my favorite film and they well not i mean not always i'm sure we'll probably have another end game at some point in 10 years but until that day comes end game will be my favorite film in the mcu moving on from that we are going to transition to in my opinion the underrated films in the mcu just gonna take a sip of my drink here. <coughs> Excuse me. <coughs> Got a little bit of a cough here. Um. Okay, so underrated films in the MCU. So these are in no particular order. I just think these films are just underrated. Some might disagree. Some may feel that these films have have had their you know their just due, if you will, or their many conversations. I just don't feel like these films are talked about enough or given enough credit. So starting off my list, I have Ant-Man with starring Paul Rudd, uh, Evangela, Angela, I'm not pronouncing her fucking name right, but obviously everybody knows her. She's from Lost. Um, Evangeline, fuck, I don't fucking know here. Let me look it up here real quick. 
I hate getting this shit wrong. This shit bugs me, especially after when I'm editing the podcast. And I'm like, what the fuck was her name? I sound like a goofball. Here we go. Ant-Man cast. Ant-Man cast. Oh, my God. I'm also forgetting about Michael Douglas, too. One of the great, one of the great actors in Hollywood. Yes. Uh, Evangeline Lilly. Hope Pym, playing Hope Pym, and then obviously Michael Douglas playing Hank Pym, and then Paul Rudd playing uh, Scott Lang. So overall, you know, the film was great, and I forget the actor's name. Let me find his name. The guy who plays Yellow Jacket. He was just in the new movie I just watched, uh, The Many Saints of Newark. Uh, yeah, overall, it's got a great cast. Like, I forgot Lawrence Fishburne was in it, and there was an introduction to Jimmy Woo uh, as Randall Clark, who was also in WandaVision. Uh, let me see here. Uh, or sorry, Lawrence Fishburne was in uh, Ambient of the Wasp, and then you have, let me see here, yeah, you have uh, Michelle Pfeiffer, who was Ant-Man and the Wasp, this is a weird list, I looked up the list here, and then in the cast, it says Kevin Feige is a cast member, that's, no, <laughs> Kevin Feige's a producer, he's the godfather, if you will, of all uh, of all the, the Marvel films, well, for some reason, oh, yeah, here we go. Corey Stoll. He's a guy who played Darren Cross, who was Yellow Jacket, the first uh, Ant-Man's uh, antagonist. Overall, I think it was a really, really good film. I love Scott Lang. Or, sorry, I love Paul Rudd as Scott Lang. I think he has a lot of charisma. And he's very, obviously, he's very funny. I think Paul Rudd is one of my, probably one of my favorite actors in the comedy genre. I loved him as Brian Fantana in, uh, in Anchorman. Um, so, yeah, I love Ant-Man. And then the next film on my list of films that I feel are underrated, I have Doctor Strange. Uh, Doctor Strange, in my opinion, is a great is a great example of how to properly structure and develop a character. You know, he starts off; he's a regular guy. Well, he's not a regular guy. He's he's a he's a surgeon. He has an accident. The accident obviously prevents him from being able to use his hands, which in turn. Uh, prevents him from being able to be a surgeon because obviously he needs to have, have very steady hands to perform to perform surgeries. Otherwise, he's going to be you know cutting up people in the wrong ways. So obviously, it stops him from that. You find his character down. You know what's he going to do? And then eventually, he comes across uh, what's her name? He comes across the woman who you know has the yellow. I forget her name. Uh, you know whatever, but. And then obviously, and he becomes Doctor Strange eventually. I know I'm obviously leaving out a lot of key plot points and things like that, but I, I mean, I think most of you at this point have seen Doctor Strange. I'm not going to go into the whole, you know, first, second, third act in complete detail, but yeah, uh, Doctor Strange, in my opinion, very underrated. I don't think enough people talk about it. And I'm really, really excited for uh, the sequel uh, into the Multiverse of Madness that's going to be coming out next year. And there's actually a lot of rumors that Loki is going to. Uh, make an appearance in that, you know, as to what, you know, degree, at what extent, could it be a cameo, whatever, I honestly don't give a fuck, even if he's just in the show, I'll be okay with that, uh, but it also depends on what happens with season two, I don't know what's going to come first, I think, I think Doctor Strange will come first, because if I'm not mistaken, I think Doctor Strange is coming out in March, and I, I don't even think they've actually released a date for season two of Loki, we just know that it's coming, uh, yeah, so actually, yeah, I think Doctor Strange is 1000% coming before uh, Loki season two. And then my final film on my list of films that I feel are underrated in the MCU, I have The Incredible Hulk. I actually really did like Edward Norton's take on Bruce Banner. I think he's a little more serious. Obviously, he's not as funny, maybe as some people might might say or whatever. Or lighthearted, uh, but I, I really did like his interpretation, and I'm kind of curious. Like, obviously, if I had if I had to pick one Hulk, I would obviously pick Mark Ruffalo. Make no mistake. But I, I sometimes I do wonder, like, what would the MCU have looked like if Edward Norton had stuck around and continued playing Bruce Banner? I mean, who knows? Uh, so yeah, I think that movie was really, really good. Not sorry, not really, really good. I, I thought it was I thought it was a solid film. So my last topic here, it, it was most overrated film in the MCU, but I kind of already talked about this already. It's uh, Captain America, the Winter Soldier. I mean, like I said, I don't, because I know a lot of people are probably going to, you know, message me after and be like, you know, what the fuck are you talking about, bro? Winter Soldier is the best fucking movie of all time. It's a good movie. It's a solid movie. I like the premise. I, I, I love Robert Redford in it as well. And I thought 
overall, it was a good movie, but I think people heavily overrate that film. And to say it's the best MCU movie, I think that's, I don't agree with that. But then again, film is subjective. You know, I'm sure you guys can make a very good argument that it is the best MCU, but I respectfully disagree. Um, so yeah, I, that's going to conclude the topics here, but I mean, we could keep going for a bit. Uh, let me think. Oh yeah. I was gonna, you know, just to, you know, kind of continue this year. I was also going to mention this earlier, but one common complaint that I've seen with call of duty Vanguard, not to, you know, go back Well, I am going back on this, but you know, uh, to go back on Vanguard for a bit, one common complaint I've been hearing about the game is how it looks the exact same as Modern Warfare, meaning like a lot of people are saying specifically, you know, it's got the same engine, you know, it, it's got the same movement, it literally looks like a copy and paste. Now, I don't think Vanguard looks perfect, I know a lot of people are probably getting the impression that I'm like, you know, heavily defending it because I think it's going to be like a super great game. I'm not doing that at all. I'm trying to actually be as objective as possible with also the limited time and material we've seen because the game hasn't even come out. So I definitely wouldn't say the game is, you know, really, really good or really, really bad. But I think to 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 bring to address that point of the game has the same engine and the game is a copy and paste. That, in my opinion, is a completely invalid point to make about the game. And let me tell you why. Have, have people forgot that Call of Duty... Before Modern Warfare 2019, Call of Duty had used the same engine every single year. Every single year for the last like 12 years. And obviously each game looked a little bit different. They made some tweaks and upgrades to that engine. But nonetheless, it was the same engine. So make no mistake about that. That's why when I hear people say like, oh, it's using the same engine. Call of Duty Duty has been doing that forever. So that part i don't really understand because like what do you expect them to make a whole new engine every 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 game even other games use use the same engine i'm pretty sure halo probably fucked they probably use this they've probably been using the same engine for a while i know battlefield uses the same engine pretty much on every game they have as two or they have have made uh but obviously like you use the same engine but you make tweaks and you make changes and you know that's what they've done uh so that when people bring up that, that I will object to and that I will completely disagree with. I think it's a very invalid point because Call of Duty has been doing that literally forever. And even even last year, Cold War, Cold War, see, a lot of people think Cold War has its own engine as well because there's no tax sprint. That's incorrect. Cold War is using the same engine as Modern Warfare, but it made tweaks and it just eliminated tax sprint. But make no mistake, Cold War uses the same engine as it did with Modern Warfare. It just took out tax sprint and it added this weird... I personally don't like it. I mean, maybe it's I might be nitpicking, but with with Cold War, the game has this weird thing that when you when you begin to sprint, you do this like weird lunge forward, and it almost actually takes like it almost takes more time. It almost takes the time that it would to tax sprint. That's why I think the game should have just had tax sprint to begin with, because when you run, you do this weird little lunge, and then when you go into gunfights, you can actually lose that gunfight because you you have to almost like have that you know couple seconds where you have to bring your gun up it's a lot of people might think i'm nitpicking but that's just kind of how i feel with uh with that and like i said i'm I'm trying to be as objective as possible cold war could come out and be the worst fucking call of duty of all time we have no idea right so that remains to be seen but i think when people bring up things like they use the same engine i think that's a completely idiotic argument with all due respect uh so because called call of duty's been doing that basically forever as, as long as they've been existing rather uh so anyways guys i think that is going to wrap up episode eight of unbashful 